My name is Scott Reveley. I'm um, part of the pastoral team at New Life Church and am very, very happy to be with you all again. It has been a long time since we've been able to do this kind of thing together. And so I'm really, really glad about that. I'm glad you're here for what is really the final message in this series that we are doing on the church covenant. Some of us began this series outdoors in people's backyards. And then, of course, we had multiple mask mandates, and now we're outdoors again. And I'm very happy to be out here uh, with you because you are my tribe. That's what we're calling this series on our church covenant. The covenant, in fact, is printed on the song sheet that you have. And the, 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 covenant, the covenant is what defines a local church. It, what, it was what sort of uh, puts the edges around one local church as opposed to a different local church is that we make a pledge or a promise to one another and we, com we commit to one another. We do this because God himself has made promises to us or covenants to us and he is faithful and so we commit to one another as a result. In this uh, church covenant of ours, there are four basic provisions. Uh, one is uh, Christian living. I, I will live as a Christian. You will live as a Christian. We will work together to help each other live uh, the Christian lives. We will live our lives in community. We will purposefully invest in other people's lives and spend time together. We will involve ourselves in the church and uh, we will participate, show up, set up, tear down, all those things. And then, finally, we will be involved in God's mission together. And it is this mission piece or this Great Commission piece that we're talking about this morning. And the part of the covenant that's there in your um, handout that I'm talking about today says that we will passionately participate in God's kingdom-bringing mission by serving, influencing, and evangelizing uh, the people and communities around us. One of the things I hope you've noticed is that this entire covenant has a radical relational focus. You may remember when we talked about Romans 12 that we were talking about living like a Christian and immediately it throws us into relationships with other people where we use our gifts and we serve and we encourage and we forgive and we do all those things or you may remember when we looked at Ephesians 4 about church involvement and we realized that what it means to be involved in the church is that your part is important. That what each person does makes a difference for the whole. That unity implies that we're all different. I thought there wasn't, a, wasn't it a fun picture of unity, by the way, up here to see the family band? And I don't know how many of you really pulled off the actual singing in two languages, but I know some of you can do it. But we haven't even really talked yet about the part of our church covenant that is about relationships. If you recall in uh, Colossians chapter 2, we talked about the fact that everything that God does in us, really he does through other people. Everything that God wants to do through you, he does for other people. And you really can't avoid other people and become the kind of person that God wants you to be. So it shouldn't surprise us then 
that when Jesus is on his kingdom-bringing mission, that it also is intensely relational. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. If you haven't uh, already, That's uh, if you didn't recognize it, that's what uh, Adolfo read a few moments ago, uh, was Matthew chapter 9. And while, I, while you find Matthew chapter 9, I, I just want to suggest to you that God's kingdom-bringing mission, the one that we're talking about this morning, is not something new from Jesus. <laughs> he didn't sit down on the Mount of Olives and sit there and wonder, what am I going to do to keep these people busy? Rather, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly that he was on the mission that God had been on all along. And God was from the beginning about the very same thing that Jesus was about when he was on this earth. You look at the very first page, really, Genesis chapter 1, and it says that God created man uh, in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. And then he said, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it. Fill the earth. God had in mind from the beginning that he was going to bless the world through his people. And of course, it didn't go very well for very long. And you have Genesis 3 and when the whole thing falls apart. But then, as far as God's mission goes, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, is the refusal of people to do what God wanted them to do. In fact, they said, we're not going to go fill the earth. Let's build ourselves a city, they said, with a tower. And let us make a name for ourselves so that we aren't dispersed throughout the world. In other words, let's be not doing what God wants us to do. Then God made a promise to Abraham. And Abraham's promise was that God was going to give him a country and that God was going to make him a great nation. And he said, I will bless you. I will bless all the families of the earth through you. God has always been about blessing the world through his people. That is what God sees. God sees their greatest happiness being in relationship with him. And God sends his people out to help others find the relationship that they need with the living God. The same thing is true of the Exodus. When they brought people out of Egypt, he didn't just do it with Egypt and Israel. He said to Pharaoh, I raised you up so that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. The promise to David was the same one. He promised a descendant on David's throne so that he would raise up an offspring who will come and establish his kingdom and build a house and establish his kingdom forever. The exile, even, when God's people finally rebelled and were sent out, was part of God's mission as well. In Ezekiel at 36, it tells us that he will vindicate his holiness of his great name, which, he, which there, the people had profaned among the nations. And the nations will know, this is what God says, the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, through you, when I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. God has always been about blessing the nations and the people of the earth 
by bringing them into relationship with himself through his people. So, in fact, once Jesus shows up, what's the first thing we learn about Jesus? Well, he's the son of David. He's part of the great line of God's promise. John the baptizer came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Then Jesus shows up. He says the same thing. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is now reestablishing his rule and reign in the earth and forever so that people might live their best lives. Jesus himself now is on God's kingdom-bringing mission. And then John, of course, records for us Jesus telling his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And so if we're sent like Jesus, what is his kingdom-bringing mission? What does it look like? Let's take a look at how Matthew himself encountered God's kingdom-bringing mission in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, it uh, records for us, verse 9, Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the, when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees are, uh, of course, the religious folks who want things only kind of to be their way. He said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when they heard it, when he heard it, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous, not, not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so when Jesus is on this kingdom-bringing mission, he stops by a tax collector's booth. Okay, I'm just going to say, things then are like they are now. <laughs> the tax collector's no one's favorite. And Jesus stopped there and called Matthew to himself and invited him to follow. Okay, it is that, it, that is what it looks like with the kingdom-bringing mission, to invite people to follow Jesus. Once he did, you'll notice that Jesus sat down and ate dinner at Matthew's house. That's what he did. He didn't hold a grand crusade he didn't have a revival meeting. He didn't start a program. He went to dinner. And I love that he went to dinner because guess what? I can do that too. I'm good at that. <laughs> I'm not good at many things, but I'm good at eating. And guess what? I can do this. You can do this, right? When Jesus ate, he didn't just eat with the best folks. He didn't eat with the religious folks. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with the people who were down and out. He ate with the people that nobody else really liked. And he said to them, you matter. You are important. And we find that when Jesus came, he came to those people, to the outcasts, 
He said, I'll include you. To those who were sure that God would reject them, he said, I welcome you. And what we have when Jesus is doing his kingdom-bringing mission is exactly that. Can you find a way, can I find a way to say to people, you matter. In the name of Jesus, I love you. God loves you. God wants to include you in the blessing that he's intended all along. And really what we find is that doing ordinary things like eating with people, doing them for extraordinary reasons, is God's kingdom bringing mission. Finding ways to tell people, I love you, you're important, you matter. I think it's important for you to realize we are not simply talking about, you know, <laughs> this is how it came to me when I, when I got started, right? People said, oh, you don't have to worry too much. Here's a little track, and they gave me this little paper handout. You know, you, some of you remember those little paper handouts. And you don't even have to talk to someone. You just stop at a restroom, put it on the back of the toilet, and that'll do the trick. exactly what I see happening here. What I see happening here is God involving himself in the lives of other people. And we're going to see next week, I'm going to invite you back next week, we're going to begin talking about the kingdom life, what it means to live as part of God's kingdom. And we're starting at this, we're going to be doing the Sermon on the Mount, which is what Jesus is saying there. He said, this is what the kingdom is like. Wouldn't it be great if everybody lived like this. I mean, and I tell you, once if you were to read Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, you'd realize it would be totally great if everyone would be like that. And it starts out this way. The kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, his very first words are, blessed are those who are spiritually destitute. If you're bringing, if you're bringing people into God's kingdom, if you're going to introduce them to them and they say, well, what do I have to do? You say, guess what? I have good news. All you need is, all you need is nothing. All you need to be is poor. All you have to muster up is nothing. And you can be included in the kingdom of God. The dawn of the presence of God and the light of the rule of God comes to those who do not qualify. Now, that may surprise you. Some of you have worked really hard to be religious maybe all your lives. And we find when Jesus announces the kingdom that, that it comes for free and it comes without price and it comes for those who cannot do anything to earn it. And we find that kingdom as surprising to us as it was to his disciples. When they were listening to the sermon for the very first time, they're scratching their head, not getting it. You may remember Peter trying to stop Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. Peter said, don't go. That's a bad idea. Because he had different thoughts about what it meant to be included in the kingdom than Jesus did. Jesus knew that what it meant 
was for people who were spiritually destitute to find all that they'd ever hoped and dreamed for in a relationship with God. Well, Jesus brings his kingdom by being with people. He's on the mission he invites you into when he's eating, when he's playing, when he's joking, when he's putting up his chair in his yard, when he's trimming his trees, when he's planting his garden. He's on his mission because he's in a relationship with God. He's inviting people into it with him. And so people, that's the first thing. When, you're, when we're talking about God's kingdom-bringing mission, we're talking about being involved with other people. The second thing we're talking about is what um, Pastor Adolfo read earlier uh, is from verses 36 to 38, and that is prayer. We have people, and then we have prayer. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Well, this is exactly what you would expect. Jesus saw them, and it says he had compassion. We would expect that from Jesus. But what happens when you're compassionate? You'll notice when you're compassionate, you pray. He asks his disciples to pray. I mean, my, my first thought is I, I, I want to limit my compassion because I know I don't have enough energy to do all the things that I need to do that, need, you know, that relate to that compassion. But the reality is when someone's compassionate, they pray. That's an easy thing. I mean, how hard can it really be to pray? So let's start there. One of the things that, that I do regularly, I, I, I want you to know that yeah, really all of you are on my prayer list. I don't know if you even care. I don't care if you care. There you go. I'm going to pray for you anyway. Okay? But when I'm coaching, the girls on my team are on my prayer list, as are in their family. The people in my neighborhood are on my prayer list. I just make it a daily practice to pray for people. Now, I may not even say the right words. I may not get it squared away like I need to. It won't be perfect, but I will pray for people. And I want to just invite you to do the same. The easiest way for you to start down the road on God's kingdom-bringing mission is simply to pray for people. And you don't have to be out there and tell them everything that you uh, want to pray for them about. You just pray for them. I remember we, um, we've had this um, happen in our neighborhood in wonderful ways. We've had some wonderful uh, times in our neighborhood with people, and you can too, but begin with prayer. I, I, you may have noticed by his absence that Pastor Travis isn't here. Pastor Travis, what, his kids weren't playing up here, and he wasn't, you know, making some big announcement or anything, because he's off camping with some friends of uh, a family whose, whose children play music with his children. And they've struck up a friendship, and he is, he is doing what I'm talking about today on uh, Labor Day weekend. And 
If you think about praying for Pastor Travis and his friends, that would be great. But guess what? That's not heroic. He's, he's just being a friend with them. He's just hanging out with them. He's God's person in close proximity to people who need Jesus. That's all. Well, the other thing that I noticed here that I want to point out to you, because I think it will help some of you, is that Jesus adjusts their expectations. See, some of us have been so, so uh, told so long that the world is against us, that everything is going you know, to pieces, that the world is going to crash, and that everything is bad. We've been told that if we don't stand up for our rights, we're going to be you know, somehow in trouble because people are against us. When you hear Jesus, you hear the opposite. He looks out and he said, guess what? The field is white for harvest. There has never been a better time to be on God's kingdom-bringing mission. People are ready to go. I, I mean, I'm just going to confess. I've already gotten this wrong this morning. I drove down here. I saw them warming up for a softball game. And I said, no. They're against us. They're not. What a great opportunity. In a few minutes, we're going to get a sack lunch. I want to encourage you to eat with somebody you don't know. If you know everybody, take your sack lunch and go over the softball game. <laughs> Have lunch over there. Because guess what? There's never been a better time to be someone's friend. There's never been a better time to pray for somebody. There's never been God's kingdom bringing mission. So don't delay. fun that Jesus spent zero energy worrying that it was going to be too hard. Instead, he was a little bit worried it was going to be too easy because it's never been better and the fields are white and the problem is there aren't enough people who are going to engage in the kingdom ringing mission to handle <laughs> all the relationships necessary to bring people in relationship with God so that they can be as happy in his kingdom as they can possibly be. So pray. But don't just pray for them. Pray that God will send people into the harvest. Pray that God, <laughs> pray that God will send people in relationships with other people so that they are introduced to Jesus. Well, you might, uh, might want to stop praying. Maybe you're maybe just like, oh, yes, pastor, I'm praying already. But if you keep reading into chapter 10, you may want to stop praying, right? Because you'll notice what happened in chapter 10. In chapter 10, he said, in chapter 9, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. In chapter 10, he said, oh, by the way, why don't you go <laughs> into the harvest? And he sent them two by two into the harvest. And he gave them authority over every unclean spirit to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. In other words, he gave them exactly what they needed to do, exactly what Jesus had been doing all along. And just in case you keep reading and you think, oh, he's, 
you know, he does say there you know, some people aren't going to like you. He does say that there's going to be trouble. But then he does say also say in verse 28, don't fear those who can kill <laughs> who can only kill the body, but can't kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, get on his kingdom bringing mission. I just want to leave you with this. This is part of the invitation that we have. Because our great and glorious hope is that God's kingdom-bringing mission will ultimately be successful. Our great hope is that Jesus having a meal with tax collectors and sinners and his followers doing that over and over and over some with people they know, some initiated relationships with people they don't know, maybe some going overseas, that that kingdom-bringing mission will be successful. And we know that it ends with the statement of the success of Jesus in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll. They're talking about Jesus now. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. In other words, this kingdom-bringing mission was successful and people came. People from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, here we did our best, and, and for some of us it probably wasn't very good to sing songs in two languages. But here it says every language, every family, every tribe, every nation is going to be included because God's people, you and me, are on his mission. And I, I, just, I just think this is so great. I mean, if you think about the last time we were here, the last time we were here, the Cochrans were with us, and now they serve with Wycliffe. The last time we were here, the Maloneys were with us, and now they're uh, on the field serving somewhere else. The, the Herricks are on their way out in the next few days. We have people from our church really around the world. Bruce Bruce is going to be up here and tell you a little about his ministry in Brazil in a few minutes. But Bruce was here at one time, just like you are. And he uh, is investing his life on God's kingdom-bringing mission. And I've been there to see him, and, and I want to tell you, you know what he does? He eats meals with people. And you can do that too. And all we need to do is eat meals with people, listen, love them, and who knows what God will do. It's God's mission after all, isn't it? Not ours. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so he still invites us to repent and join his kingdom, to turn from our old way of life and to join him. And his role in this is so good and so certain that this kingdom-bringing mission will ultimately succeed. And so he invites you into it today. 
He invites you to be part of his mission today and bring other people in. Just like he did with Matthew, who then turned around and invited his friend. And I, I just want to point out to you that this is so important to Jesus. It's so simple, and it's so important to Jesus that his people love one another, that they are in relationship with him, that they sit down and eat together and sit down and eat with him, that he memorialized this in a meal. He wanted to say, I'm going to anchor. I mean, I've been trying to tell you, just have a meal with people. Okay, that's been my plea for this kingdom-bringing mission. But Jesus so much believed in that that he memorialized his work on the cross in a meal. And he said, as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. That he said, the way that you're going to remember me when I'm on my kingdom-bringing mission, when I invite you in, the way that you will be in is to trust me and join me in the meal, in the kingdom, and on the mission. 